0: How you spend your money is, in many ways, how you spend your life. So how can you generate not just a return on your investments, but a return on life? Welcome to the Own Your Wealth Podcast. Whether you're a working professional, a small business owner, or thinking about retirement, listen in as host Jason Deschays of Cook Wealth discusses tax strategy, financial planning, and more to equip you to live life empowered and truly own your wealth.
1: Welcome and thank you for joining us today for Own Your Wealth with Jason Deshaze. I'm Wendy McConnell. Hey, Jason, how are you?
2: Oh, I'm doing great. I'm getting in the Christmas spirit. Uh, we're recording this Christmas only a couple weeks away, and I went and did some shopping today, and I am uh, lighter. My wallet's lighter, but At it's mall? my one time. I did go to the mall and um, went out the second time, but I went two minutes after the mall opened, so it was oh. very... Quiet, and I could just come in and just knock things out and leave, which was much better than the last go around.
1: Well, back in the day, I mean, way back in my time, when I was a server at a restaurant in a mall, they used to open the mall at like six o'clock in the morning, the month of December, and they would stay open till 11 o'clock at night. I don't think they do that anymore.
2: It was 10. Uh, The Crabtree was 10. So I think that was reasonable. But I think gone are the days of the door busting. Yeah. Go get your TV for 20 bucks uh, at 5 a.m. Here's how that situation. Yeah. I'm not into that anymore.
1: (laughs) Anymore. Anymore. (laughs) Well,
2: I (laughs) did. I know it was getting a little off tangent, but like my mom used to be a hardcore deal shopper. And so she would take us on Black Friday. We'd drive from Los Alamos, to Mexico, San which is about 45 minute drive. And we were there early and we were there when they opened the store and I don't know what we bought. I remember she would used to buy a lot of Christmas cards. So she'd buy the Christmas cards for the next year from, you know, Barnes and Noble or whoever had the cards and everything. But that was our every year. And then we'd go out for lunch after we've had power shopping for three or four hours.
1: There were no stampedes or anything, were there?
2: No, we didn't go to those places, Uh, you know, where the, you know, people die to get that door buster. Yeah.
1: They also do that at uh, wedding shops.
2: <laughs> really? I did not know that. If okay,
1: like a, a trunk sale or something and you got to get to that dress.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Say yes to the dress.
1: <laughs> All right. What do we got going on today, Jason?
2: Well, you know, it's that time of year as we kind of wrap up the year for uh, 2023. This, uh, this podcast will be out at the beginning of the year. And so we wanted to talk about some things that are going to happen in, in starting in 2024, just kind of queuing people up for some tax moves they may want to consider. And so we've got here the illustrious Zach Carver, Director of Tax Services for Cook Wealth, who, who leads our tax team to just talk through some of the things that you may want to consider early on in the year and just some things coming down the pipeline, maybe not in 2024, but into 25, 26, uh, which is going to be here much sooner than we think. Zach, welcome back to the podcast.
3: Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's funny you guys were mentioning the uh, the the Black Friday you know, stampedes and all that. You know, I think that they've really honed in on how to solve that. And it seems like Black Friday is like a week long now. So
2: yeah, <laughs> so your Black but... Friday deals that start on preceding <laughs> Monday,
3: yeah, go through absolutely.
2: Cyber Sunday of the week. In it was December. Cyber
3: Monday. Now it seems to be Cyber Week. It's just, yeah. this is the time to do the shopping. And uh, honestly, I do most of mine online at this point. I'm just I try to go to the mall every now and then, but it's sometimes just not worth it.
2: The challenge, I think, is count the number of Amazon boxes you get. That's true. And how, how many years? For- Cause I remember it was like you got one or two, and now it's like all the stuff comes from Amazon. Yeah,
1: absolutely. <laughs> I was away, and when I came back, I had like eight boxes.
3: Like, oh, geez, I can't get to the door. It seems we know our Amazon delivery drivers by name now, so. Oh, no. <laughs>
2: Well, Zach, let's, let's start with some kind of 101 tax plan for the new year. The, you know, every year, a lot of the annual limits for things ratchet up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what's kind of your advice? As, you know, let's say someone's going, okay, I want to really aggressively save my 401k or my IRA this year. What do you recommend they do when the year first starts to make sure they're, they're getting the right number in rather than the number they maybe used use last year?
3: Yeah. So the first thing I would recommend is, you know, just uh, to take a look at what your withholdings are on the year. So the annual uh, 401k maximum contribution increases to twenty three thousand for twenty twenty four. Um, and then, if you're over uh, fifty, you have a seven thousand dollars catch up, so you can do up to thirty thousand. One easy way to kind of back into that is figure out what that dollar amount number needs to be. so if you're if you're over fifty and you do the thirty thousand, just divide that by your number of pay periods and and that gets you the dollar amount per pay period. And that makes it pretty you know pretty straightforward to go in and and uh, you know update that percentage of your your total pay to max that out. Well, Um, one thing. One thing. If you're turning
2: fifty this year, too, that's another thing. Is if you're used to maybe you're forty-nine in twenty twenty-three, but you turn fifty, it doesn't matter if you turn fifty on December fifteenth. You get to add that extra seven thousand dollars absolutely throughout the year.
3: That's a great point. And the other thing to consider as well, um and I think we've we've talked about this a little bit in the past in some other podcasts, but there's a strategy for some to just kind of contribute in a lump sum in the beginning of the year. And I would just be careful to do that some some plans don't have true up provisions and that's um, essentially where the the company will match your contributions as long as you have payroll that's that's contributing. So if you if you have a company that's, you know, doing a 4% match and you contribute your full amount in the first 3 months of the year, you're only getting that 4% match on your wages through that first three months of the year. So that's something mm-hmm. to be careful of as well.
2: The other thing uh, with, outside of retirement plans, we got HSAs, and that's the yep. health savings accounts. So if you have a high deductible plan, why well, I'm same with looking at last year and seeing what you did then. We've seen a lot of people where they think they're putting in what they think is the max, maybe only the single max, but they mm-hmm. have uh, family coverage. It's really important to, to adjust that. And that one you can tweak throughout the year. So if you think, oh, I, I got a little extra cash flow maybe you're higher income and you've hit the social security limit and you want to use mm-hmm. the back part of the year to fully fund it, just go through and tweak it. Most plans, both HSA plans and 401k plans or workplace retirement plans allow you to change your contribution rate throughout the year. So don't yeah. set it in January and forget about it. You want to actually be monitoring and making sure you're going to hit the target. Cause by the time you, if you don't, if you don't wait till the end of the year, you may not have much of an opportunity to fix it yeah. if you don't get on it pretty soon.
3: Yeah, and I think the other thing to consider as well with these plans is is you know, if it makes sense based on your your particular tax bracket as well. So if you if you know you're in a a twelve percent tax bracket and you're really not gonna get out of there or not gonna dip into twenty two or twenty-four percent. Maybe it doesn't make sense for you to be contributing to a traditional 401k. Maybe if your company offers a Roth 401k option where you can pay the tax now at twelve percent but get it tax free in retirement, that might be the better route to go to. The other thing, you know, I'm I'm a big advocate for HSAs if if you have them and, and funding those, the benefit of those is you're not only saving the income tax portion, but you're also that that reduces your Social Security and Medicare tax as well. So if you're under that social security limit anyway, you're actually saving significantly more. It's about just shy of 8% more uh, in tax savings by contributing it through your your employer wages to your HSA. Yeah. And
2: there's plans like HSAs as well as traditional IRAs and Roth IRAs. Mm-hmm. You do have a little bit of an extended payment period uh, where you get to the filing of the tax return of April 15th to fund for the prior year. So let's say you get to March and you're about to send your tax return and you go, wow, I only put $4,000 in my HSA, I'd like to yeah. tap it out because I've got a little cash and it would be good because I know I've got some medical expenses or whatever. Yeah. You still have time to backfill it for the prior year and same with yep. a IRA. That's why they they allow for that because sometimes you don't know, one, how much your income is until yep. you get their tax return rate that gives you some room to do that.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And just to be clear, that does not apply to 401ks. 401ks have Correct. to be in throughout the, in the current calendar year. So
2: Yeah. Now, the other thing this kind of is queuing up in the first part of the year is always withholdings, and that's federal and state tax withholdings. Mm -hmm. And let's kind of talk a little about refunds. I'll express my hot takes slash uh, what grinds my gears, if you're an old family guy listener, is that it is when people say you get a refund, it is not your tax return. That's the paperwork you file to get the refund. That's the tax refund. But you don't want necessarily to get a giant refund. Some people look at it as a forced savings plan. So they want to stick it into the government system and then they get a lump sum and they like that Mm -hmm. for vacation, debt payment, savings booster. But admittedly, with the interest rates where they are, I'd rather get the interest myself Mm -hmm. and not necessarily give it to the government to hang on to and then give it back to me interest-free a year later or however long. Yeah. Yeah. Zach, do you how you feel about tax refunds?
3: Yeah, I'm, I'm big on, you know, not giving the IRS or North Carolina, you know, or state departments of revenue in general, you know, the money ahead of time. Um, we've also found in some situations where even if, you know, they, they know you are due a refund, sometimes it just takes time to get to it. And, you know, you're you're missing, you know, to your time value of money, having it invested in high interest uh, or, or higher interest, you know, savings accounts or things like that or paying down high interest debt. Um, you know, that's that's another thing to consider that you, you could have, you know, putting that money to better use than than sending it over early.
1: <laughs> I am a person who loves my refunds oh. <laughs> and I will explain why I don't. OK, it I, w- I want I yeah, to hear money. why you like your refund. Let's hear it <laughs> because I always have the best intention of saving for that thing. Yeah. And then I don't.
2: Yeah. Well, there is a way around that there is a way so Talk to you a, for
1: my paycheck right away i know I know yeah I
2: know. you just so most most employers allow you to split your paycheck so if you mm-hmm. want to say hey i'll take 150 bucks and I'm going to stick it into the savings account you can divert it before it even gets to your bank account and not spend it yeah and that's usually the solution is just uh, no touchy you're yeah, touchy. It goes over there.
3: The other other option you can also do is if you have a separate bank account, you can just set auto you know drafts over to your other account, and you don't necessarily have to split it at the employer level, um, but you can do it that way as well. Um, Wendy's giving us a stink eye about. She's oh, I like I like what well, you're doing. You're messing with my cheese. Yeah, yeah. Moving
2: my
1: I cheese.
3: Mean, yeah. <laughs> it always depends I on the person. Read that
1: book, Jason. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Um, but it oh, always yeah. depends on the person. You know, if it's a, a significant number, you know, if we're talking thousands or tens of thousands of dollars, then, you know, that's where we'd really not want to have that happen. Um, if we're talking a thousand bucks, you know, maybe, maybe two grand depending on income, that's not a, a large enough number where depending on what your income is, two thousand dollars may actually be a really good buffer depending on how much money you're making to to allow for that. So it all depends on on situations. I mean, if you if you're making thirty thousand dollars a year and you get a Two or three thousand dollars refund—that's a bit of a problem. But if you're making a million dollars a year and you get a two thousand dollars refund, that's a little less of a concern. So,
2: well, and I will say, like the other thing is, you go, okay, well, this should be easy. Refunds a refund, right? So people are going to get it. The IRS is going to cash that—you know—send that check or ACH pretty quickly. Uh, We had a client who recently only got their refund, and they filed at the very beginning of April. They only Mm -hmm. got the refund two weeks ago, and. So that's the thing is, if you're going to have a substantial refund, you don't really necessarily want it in the hands of a, a government ent- entity that, that has a history of being yeah. not quick moving yeah. and can have system errors that just kind of hold things in a locked position. So yeah, just get that where it's in your hands. It's a good thing. The other side of that, too, is having large balances due. And mm-hmm. generally, so for let's say we, we, get, we fast forward to March, you've done your tax return, you owe eight grand. Now for some people again 8 grand's like oh that's no big deal that's a rounding yeah. error. For some people that's like you just shot their mother and they you have given the worst news humanly possible. So if that's a case sometimes it's an isolated incident. Something you had that year caused mm-hmm. this balance that normally doesn't happen things go back to normal. Yeah. However, I have seen more circumstances where someone's generally underwithheld mm-hmm. and they're underwithheld in different places. Maybe they just recently started as a you know retired and they don't have enough pulled out of their retirement checks. Yeah. Maybe they switched jobs and the withholding's different from a job they had for 20 years and it was set right and then they have a new W4 and they didn't do it correctly. Yeah. It's really important to address that early too, because if you realize you owe a bunch of money, you want to fix it. So maybe you're just whittling it down throughout the year and then you kind of roll into the 2000 would be in 2025 when you file your 2024 return that things are mathematically more accurate
3: yeah and i would say just to add to that another thing that could you know have an impact on that would be you know lifestyle like status changes in your in your filing status typically the only way that you're going to end up owing more money is if you go from head of household or married filing joint down to single. Um, usually if you go the other way, you end up getting a little bit more of a refund nine times out of 10, but just, you know, that's something that a lot of, you know, people don't think about the year after maybe a spouse has, has passed away is, you know, they're now in a single filing tax bracket. And so if they still have earned income or, you know, other, other sources that they were withholding at a lower rate before that also needs to be increased.
2: Yeah. And that happens after divorces, um, Mm -hmm. deaths, just major life changes where, where maybe there's a similar income. In yeah. some cases, we've seen that a lot with widows where perhaps they were uh, retirees, the pension income's all the same and everything's about the same. Now you only have one person in the family. Mm-hmm. The tax bill ratchets up very quickly, very, yes. very uh, expensively. So it's important to just keep an eye on those things. And, and that's why hopefully our listeners of the show or people who are seeking advice in this realm have a good advisor with them and that's a cpa or a financial planner who's thinking about these things along with them and helping kind of point out okay let's avoid this because i i've never liked telling people they owe crazy amounts of money i've had one time where i I, to me it's a lot of money but they they had in their head a much larger number so they were a stack but you know it's not one of those things you want to tell people you owe a bunch we didn't have a plan for it and, and i hope you got the cash somewhere
3: yeah, and, and sometimes, you know, there's scenarios in our field where we we are anticipating a large bill, but we choose not to pay it in. So, um, you know, a lot of times, so this is something that not everyone knows about is, is a rule called safe harbor. And essentially what that means is if you owe $10,000 in taxes, let's, let's pick a bigger number, let's say you had $50,000 in taxes the prior year. Um, The way that it works is in the current year, if you as long as you pay in 110% of last year's liability, so in this case, it'd be $55,000 any underpayment. Is not penalized or interest. It's still due at the time of the filing of the return, April 15th, but there's no penalty or interest on it. So if you make three million dollars one year because you sell a business and you know it did really well for you, but last year you, you know, your your total tax was only 50,000 bucks. You know, we might just say, hey, pay in 55,000 for the year. And then we know that you're gonna owe significantly more in April, but we're going to set that cash aside. We know already know what it is. And at least you're, you're earning some interest on it. You're, you know, it's not sitting in the government's hands a little too early, but as long as we can kind of separate those funds. So it's not, you know, there's no temptation to spend it. That's a big strategy as well.
2: I think the the thing about that too, is, is that you don't want to give the money up any sooner than you have to, especially with interest rates where they are. You can actually do something with that money, Mm -hmm. which is great. And it's important to kind of take advantage of those times. Also, if it goes the other way, if last year was a really big year, yeah. and this year is really low, there's a 90% of current year number you can aim for, which is could be significantly less, and you just want to pay in that part. Uh, we've yeah. seen that happen on the flip side of those big transactions, or maybe it's a big severance payment, a retirement payout that is a little out of norm. You know, there's no reason to, to go prepay the tax any sooner than you right. need to uh, right. just to have it in the system. So let's let's talk a little about extensions. You mentioned tax return due date. This is mm-hmm. this is a topic that comes up every year and, and this is kind of like a kind of coaching people about what it looks like to go into a tax season. Yeah. Uh you know, everyone knows about the due date, I hope. Well, uh, admittedly, we the have last a couple, couple years of years have kind of thrown that to, off
3: a little bit. So
2: Yeah. <laughs> you know, some usually in April, sometimes in July, maybe yeah. in
3: May. COVID depending on where you live, now. you know. If you live in Florida, it might be February. So
2: Yeah, yeah. Disaster relief. I mean, disaster relief is great for the people impacted, but man, it does get things confusing. The the thing is, the government wants their money upon the filing of the return, right? The normal, the original filing, original filing date. So, when you file an extension, and that's done, and that's normal. So, there's Mm -hmm. nothing wrong with an extension. Some people think it's somehow going to put you on some blacklist that they're going to watch 2014 or 2024, and that's not the case. Yeah. What is a problem is if you don't pay the right. tax you think you yeah. owe the IRS by April fifteenth.
3: The IRS is more than happy to take your money up front and deal with the uh the filing of the tax return later on. <laughs> yeah. And so just as a
2: so even if you're going into it, if you're the type of person that is not motivated by deadlines and you're kinda like, yeah, I'll get to it, I get to it. Extensions are great. Leverage it. However, be ready to open up your pocketbook because that is still due in April and they do assess interest and penalties if you don't pay it by then. So it's just important that you don't think it's a a whole blanket extension for everything that's unless it's a, some sort of disaster relief where they specifically say this is also an extension to pay. Yes. The default position is you pay pay by April and then you can file usually as a person in October,
3: October. Yeah. And the same goes for tax estimates as well. So for those who don't know, you know tax estimates are due quarterly, um, April 15th, June 15th, September 15th, and then January 15th. And the way that those um, estimates work is if you owe $100,000 throughout the year, assuming that your income is kind of spread evenly throughout the year, you know, if, if your tax is 100 grand on the year, you should be paying $25,000 each quarter. Uh, for any quarter in which that $25,000 is not paid, you are technically underpaid for that quarter and there's an interest and penalty associated with that underpayment for the quarter so it's very important for those who are making estimated payments to ensure that they're paying those on time and that they're working with a, a CPA or a financial advisor to you know account for what those need to be and um you know there may be some scenarios where you don't need to make a payment one quarter. Uh, and and there's some some ways kind of around that as well. But just wanted to to throw out there, you know, a lot of people think that just because they pay in December and they pay the full amount that there's no interest in penalty if they're ma- paying estimates. And unfortunately, that's not the case.
2: Yeah, it's a time-based formula. So it's like, oh, you got three late ones and then you get caught up at later. Yep. And again, it's not the, the world. Again, if you don't make an estimate payment, as long as you've been paying the tax, the government <laughs> doesn't come after you per se. It's not like yeah. a black mark on your record. But the idea is that it just helps keep penalties down. It keeps interest mm-hmm. down, kind of helps the flow of cash. Most people don't like having huge lump sums in and out of their accounts. They like yep. to smooth it out. So those estimates help with there. And depending on the relationship you have with your CPA, you know, you may look at those depending on what your income is like more mm-hmm actually quarterly most of the time you kind of have a, a line of demarcation when you set the return so you can use those safe harbors and aim for that those yep. are great especially if you're kind of a young business or someone who's kind of on the front end of careers and they're mm-hmm. every year is kind of building a bit more it will generally flow upward so you kind of leverage the prior year a lot you're you're got yep. some hard lines you can aim for if you need yeah. to
3: yeah. And usually, you know, when it's not flowing upward as well. So, oh yeah, you, you yeah, can usually feel that. So You'll, you'll know those.
2: Uh, I had one uh client, she was an appellate lawyer that, uh, you know, she always would tell me, she says, yeah, I've got my hero years and my zero years, right? Because you yeah. know, it depends on case timing and everything. Yeah. And, you know, that's normal. And, and people, especially if you're a business owner, you have ebbs and flows in your business. And sometimes Absolutely. you have great years and not so great years. And uh, even people who are more traditional employment situations, especially if they're in sales mm-hmm. roles or where they've got equity compensation and all that stuff. It's going to, you know, the years could look very different from year to year, which is fine. Yeah. yeah the IRS gets that. No one, that someone, 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 well, if my income shifts a lot you year, I'm like, well, it just happens. It's reality, yeah. right? And you didn't yeah. make as much. Like, okay. Right. Yeah. It's fine. Exactly. So Zach, where are some other things you can think of that would be as people are kind of maybe setting their year up here yeah. in January, what are the things people could start now to really set their year off right?
3: Yeah. So I think, you know, this kind of goes down into your overall financial plan or, or in tax plan, you know, what your what your goals are on the year. So I think that's the biggest thing is just really determining what what you want. If it's, you know, I just I want to get break to break even, um, you know, on on my when I file my 2024 tax Taxis, I would definitely recommend, you know, contacting a CPA if you don't already have one to, to have one that will work with you to you know run those, those estimates throughout the year. You know, some of the other things is having conversations about your, your tax brackets and your retirement plans. That seems to be a big one, especially at the end of the year, especially when there's a lot of money coming out in December for presents and things like that. You know, that we always get these questions of can I can I afford to spend this much on Christmas and still retire on time? So that's you know always a concern, but you know just things like that. And in, in terms of you know some tax strategies, especially for business owners, that's where we're going to see a lot of the change in twenty twenty three and uh, in twenty twenty four. I guess really an onward. So for twenty twenty three, one of the the big things is you know the the bonus depreciation is uh, kind of phasing out over the next few years. So it used to be where if you bought a piece of equipment that. Qualified for bonus depreciation, you could write the whole thing off in the current year. And, you know, it's essentially you can almost expense it at that point. In 2023, that drops down to 80%, 60% in 2024, and each year drops another 20% until it's down to zero. Uh, another thing to consider as well, especially as a business owner, is the the meals uh, meals deduction. You know, for the past couple of years, it's been hundred percent deductible as long as it was eaten at a restaurant, and that we will see go back down to fifty percent for twenty twenty three as well. Those are two of the bigger ones that we probably see on a, a more regular basis. Change some strategy there, and then they're changing some of the uh, residential energy credits as well for twenty twenty three. Some of that's phasing out, and there's there's kind of new rules around like that, like
2: solar, and then mm-hmm. uh, the the EV credits change solar the EV.
3: Yeah, yeah, the EV credit is is big, and that's that's a big topic too. With a lot of people buying electric vehicles, you know, we had a, a client buy a an EV Mercedes that was worth I don't know one hundred twenty thousand dollars, something around those that that mark, and they wanted to take the the credit, and then they wanted to also they had a business, so they wanted to to write it off in the business and. We had to inform them that they couldn't do either. <laughs> so um the uh yeah, it, that that was always a that's always a fun one is when we're we find out after the fact. But well,
2: and a lot of times that's because there's a lot of information that's out yeah. there that is partial information. Mm-hmm. So they hear, oh, there's a credit. Yeah. So they hear there's a credit. Yeah. They don't hear the seven lines of disclosure yeah. afterwards, which is you had to buy the, the car yeah. this time. Has to be to under be, a certain dollar amount. Under a certain a dollar, yeah. Your income had to be this, your weight had yeah. to be this. Yeah. You had to um have it final manufacture the United States, like all no, these wait. rule changes, yes. yeah, yeah,
3: <laughs> yeah well so it, it was, and it, it doesn't really help either because you know one thing that's that's new, it's kind of interesting is you actually have the option at the dealership to reduce the sales price of the vehicle. Basically, the way that it works is the dealership will take your credit. Whether or not you actually are able to claim it, so I would just say with that, especially be be careful because if if you buy a forty thousand dollar electric vehicle and you say, hey, yeah, take the credit, I only want to finance the thirty two five, the problem is if you don't qualify to take that credit, you owe that seventy five hundred dollars back on your tax and return. On the tax
2: return. So it, yes. this is this is a very different vibe from what used to be, which is just it'll land on the tax return and you're good. Yeah. Yeah. And that was good or easy at least. Yep. And same with solar and all that, but this car one is kind of like a little sneaky because it's one of those, oh, I got this great deal. Oopsie. It doesn't actually work for me.
3: Yeah. And Uh, the other thing to consider too is not all credits are refundable. So you, in some cases, have to have the actual tax amount in order to receive the full benefit of the credit. So if you go out and buy an EV and your total tax was only $5,000, even if you do qualify, you only get five thousand dollars of that benefit. You don't get the full seventy five hundred. Yeah. So again, if you have them apply that to the vehicle, you now owe twenty five hundred back as well. So just some things to kind of keep an eye out for. And I would definitely recommend not going with the first thing you hear on TikTok or anything like that, because oftentimes it is uh, uh it's, <laughs> TikTok. <laughs> it is a uh, very, very misleading. So <laughs> well and the last thing we'll kind of chab out before we wrap is is
2: there are some impending changes mm-hmm. that are are kind of in play, been in play for a while, but yep. whereas before it was like, "Oh, that's nine years away." Well, now we're like, yeah. "It's two years, two years away." away. Yeah, uh, right. and and one of the the biggest one uh you know, the 2017 tax cuts, cuts and jobs, jobs act. acts. People refer to them also as tra- the ta- the Trump tax cut. Those all had a sense sunset provision, which meant mm-hmm. after nine years, everything goes back to the way it was. So yep. now we kind of revert back to 2007 land yep. and. Or 2017. The problem with that is that you know you're going okay. That's a big shift. Yeah. I mean, we we've had this uh, ten thousand dollars salt cap. Yeah. For years yep. now. Well, that may go away, and so then every, it changes kind of behavior, right? When you pay your real estate taxes, how much do you pay in estimates? Yep. Do the uh, mortgage cap go back to a million? So then if mm-hmm. people had larger houses. Could they deduct it all? Yeah. All those things are very much in flux right now. The problem is we probably won't if Jason's tax crystal ball is is foggy or not. I'm not sure we'll have clarity into that until almost probably the end of 2025, just because yeah. it seems to be Congress tends to just drag their feet when it comes to fixing things proactively. Yeah. And so there, there may be a like, well, okay, is this going to happen? We, we dealt with it last year. Uh, there was a provision that lapsed. Yeah. And everyone's like, oh, don't worry. Don't worry, they'll fix it. And then we were waiting and waiting and then the due dates of the returns came up and oopsie they didn't fix it and
3: then they went back and retroactively changed it
2: but (laughs) they changed it the day after the deadline or the day before the deadline which was great too but it was not a positive way so it's those are the kind of things we've got these these changes potentially happening or if so if they do nothing things go back the way they were if they do something it could be very different yeah so that's for that relationship as as you starting to look at uh, what are we going to do in a couple of years? When are mm-hmm. we going to retire? When are we going to tr- trigger any these things? You got to keep in mind, there's some very near-term tax adjustments. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's some like in North Carolina where we have been progressively reducing the state income tax rate and that's accelerated. So now it's going to get mm-hmm. a little cheaper, a little cheaper every year to get under 4% here soon. So there's a lot of things coming here the best thing to do is find that good trusted advisor that can help you through this yep. and and kind of think about this for you given that they do this literally every day. So, yep. Zach, I, I always appreciate when you're on here, man. It's always a fun time. So, what's the best way for pe- people to get a hold of you if they go, I've got a burning tax question and I need a an answer from this guy?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Just feel free to give us a call. Our number is 919-784-9100 and just ask for Zach. Uh, or really just anybody on the tax team here. We're all, you know, pretty knowledgeable or, you know, feel free to reach out to me directly um, on my email. It's zcarver at cookwealth.com. And I'd be happy to, to schedule some time with you. Thank you, sir. Absolutely. Thank you.
1: All right, guys. Thanks so much. And thank you for listening today. Please like, follow and share this podcast with your friends. Until next time, I'm Wendy McConnell.
0: Thank you for listening to the Own Your Wealth Podcast. Click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. Visit our website at cookwealth.com or give us a call at 919-784-9100. And don't forget to click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. investment planning.